Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Lori McDougall, and Annie Highwater. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies in Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. So Dominique, you had something, um, you had a topic that you wanted to kind of bring up and discuss right. today. So why don't you right. share that with us? You know, you guys know, you, you know, this, um, this saying, I, I forget who's it, it's attributed to grant me the courage, the serenity prayer to accept. Yeah. The courage to accept the things I cannot change the willingness to accept the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference, mm-hmm. right? The serenity prayer. Yep. Yeah. So, the serenity prayer, and I forget who it's attributed to, but I can find that reference. Um, and and a lot of people in AA they put God or higher power here in front of it. I chose to secularize it so that we could hit our point a little more clearly <coughs> without having um, the front the the, the seculars non seculars thing get in our way. Um, but a lot of people, especially in NA, I have found add and the patients for the change, right? That takes time. Have you heard that? No. No, I have not, but I like it. Yeah, I do too. This is an NA thing. You'll hear it more in in hardcore NA meetings. Everything I heard from last week's conversation, the word patience kept coming up as something that we're all in sort of both the the family member and the person with addiction have sparingly little of for different reasons, but they're both, they're both trying to get something desperately. Right. And that makes them uh, lack patience or have trouble waiting for things that are incremental to, to start to take traction. Right. So I just wondered if as family members, you guys know better than this, than I do, how important patience is to the whole process for everyone as a sort of um, freight that you want to develop, aptitude you want to develop that really is important in this game because impatience leads to, you know, a lot of that triggering family, repetitive, impulsive, and patience is pausing. Patience is repeatedly not not saying something you used to say, right? It's it's seeing that 10 times matters and 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 maybe one time doesn't work, but trust us, if you do it 10 times, that little pause is gonna start to incline in, inclinate the the machine that will be that little bit of change, right? So I don't know, I was picking it apart and I was thinking about how smart we all are in 12 steps um, to have to have adopted the serenity prayer because not only does it do that for us if you add the patience, the other part that I love, the wisdom to know the difference for the family member is simply the line between what you can control and what you can't, right? For the person with addiction, it's 
it's it's the it's 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 the willingness to change what you need to change in yourself and usually that's more the focus right um and the and and the um acceptance of things you know and where that line is for for you and that changes with recovery um and that's no different than the than the line we talk about in craft which is how are you going to behave communicate respond to your loved one while they're using and how are you you know are you is is it time for serenity is it time for willingness to change something in yourself what's what, did you get enough training to have the wisdom to know the difference of whether this is a step in moment or a step away moment you know you can apply it to the work of craft in it's sort of this kind of clunky fashion but i'm sure you guys can come up with more subtle ways of of seeing that that crossover but i saw it there somehow i i love this topic um this is the one piece that we've also carried over into rest meetings. Um, we, we do use the serenity prayer at the end of the evening. Um, and I love it because I think, you know, it's, um, it's short, it's simple, and it kind of says it all. But I, I do like that added piece at the end of it. What was the added piece? It's um, having the, the patient. The patience for the change, or I think the change, or the things that take time. I have to check I, I exactly. Love it. I love it. And you also said something earlier that I think is really important because it is true for our loved ones that are um, learning about themselves with, you know, um, going through the recovery process. And it's something you said that having that. Um, that pause, that that time to just stop and think, and to um, to just take pause. That people learn that through the recovery process. I think it's also true for families. I think I think it's the same. I think that re you know reacting to things um, as a parent in particular having a reaction is almost, um, it's deeply embedded into a parent figure, right? Because that's our role. That's what we have to do from the moment our children are born, right? That is our role as a parent to swoop in quickly, swiftly, and um, whether it's to take care of the problem or to discipline or to set up whatever it is, that's our, that's what we're supposed to do. And um, I, so I think it becomes really a part of the parenting process and a part of who you are. And now learning that maybe I need to slow it down is a very difficult thing to do. And also because substance use disorder seems to present with or is perceived as an immediate problem. Right now, I have to respond or something totally drastic or devastating is going to happen. Um, and so I have to respond. And how do you help a family understand one, like we've talked, we talked about this in the past, 
what's a crisis and what's chronic and how can you, you know, but you don't understand, I hear it all the time, but you don't understand um, how do I pause when my, you know, when my loved one might go out there and do something that's just absolutely unimaginable, right? They might end up passing. They might end up driving a car and and uh, wrapping it around a tree or hitting somebody else or, um, so this is a tough one. And, and I really, I do like the serenity prayer. It's short, it's sweet, and it says it all. I also think that one of the dynamics that are part of the, the change process includes at the beginning, unlearning things. And I feel like everybody's into change and doing things differently, but you, I was listening to what you were saying, Laurie, and I was thinking it's exactly what happens that this, this series of habitual behaviors get created for good reasons, you know, and, and then what happens is we get stuck in them. And in order to do things differently, we have to unlearn what we are doing. And that's part of why it takes so long because where you have your way and we do, and we all do this, whether it's about how we eat or how we take care of ourselves or how we communicate or how we deal in relationships. The, the beginning is unlearning what you've always done. And, and it, it works with like this. I, and, and I think about this all the time. You can't do something new until you find what you're doing to be unacceptable. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you don't change what works. Nobody changes what works. If it works, you keep doing it. If you're comfortable, you keep doing it. And so it begins with this process of of really acknowledging that what you're doing, your way, this this, um, automatic behavior that you have is not serving you or the people in your life. So that's number one. And I think what what I would associate it with is the first step in the 12 steps, which is that that you're admitting that you're powerless and your life has become unmanageable. So that's the connection because what I'm doing is not working. That's that powerless feeling of what this, I just do it and it doesn't work. Once you acknowledge that, then the, the possibility for change actually starts, but that's the beginning. It does not start until you acknowledge that what you're doing isn't working. Right. Right. I, I do. I totally agree with you. And it, it reminds me of, um, I'm sure Kayla, well, and probably Dominique too, um, you've heard of this um, philosophy of parts. Yes. Right. <laughs> right a, a part of me. Right. And, and we all have these parts from the time when we were children that serve that step forward and serve particular um, purposes. So like, um, a part of me might step forward and be verbally aggressive because when I was a child, I needed that part under certain circumstances to keep me protected. And so it worked. So that part of me keeps stepping forward um, whenever I need um, that particular part to step forward. But the problem is, is it keeps stepping forward. It keeps working until it doesn't work anymore. And in fact, it becomes a problem, but the part still steps forward because it's like, well, no, this is my job. This is what I do. I protect you under these circumstances. 
And like you said, Kayla, now it's a problem. So right now, maybe, and, and the philosophy is to acknowledge that particular part and then to tell it, it's okay, I'm okay. Right. You can step back now, right? And maybe I need another part of me to step forward now um, to take care of me or protect me from the situation. And that's why I talk about this in terms of a menu, because that part has one way of operating. I'm going to fight. I'm going to run. I'm going to use drugs. I'm going to control. I'm going to manage whatever that looks like. I'm going to flip out. Uh, and, and what happens is that the parts are very helpful in certain ways. But if you don't have a wide menu, you don't have good options. Okay. And so what I believe is the process of change, and this is why it takes so long, and that's why you need patience, is that you each each aspect of ourselves that and and by the way, in, it's internal family systems that is one of the main therapeutic forms that talk about these parts. And they, I think we've talked about this with managers and firefighters. And basically the managers are the parts of our the the parts of ourselves that are protecting the child by controlling things, by preventing big feelings from happening, by preventing bad things from happening. And then there's the firefighter um part, which is usually which is there are big feelings. How am I going to push them down to protect myself? So that's that's why people will use drugs to stop the feelings, push them down. That's why they do impulsive things to work. That's their way of working through the feelings. Mm -hmm. So we're both doing these management ways of managing feelings, but they're, they look very different and they also clash with each other. And that's why a lot of loved ones are managers and, and many people dealing with substance use issues are firefighters because they're trying to push the feelings down. Managers are trying to prevent the feelings. And, and then they're both trying to protect that, that vulnerable child self. They're just doing it in different ways. And, um, and so what happens is that it, those get locked in very early, exactly like you're saying, Lori. This is the way we manage or control our, our vulnerabilities. And they worked for a period in our childhood, but they do not work as we get older because they're limited and they're not varied enough and they don't, they're not adaptable to life because sometimes you need to fight and sometimes you need to walk away. And sometimes you need to be able to talk to somebody and sometimes you need to, you know, calm your system down or meditate. And without that range of options to react to a situation, you're actually dysfunctionally reacting. Right. And that's what I'm talking about, about looking at the first part of it is this isn't really working in, 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 in the way that I needed to work. So what are my other options, which is what which is what sobriety is and recovery is, is you stop doing the one thing that you've been doing so that you could try other things and learn other things and grow. And that's the point. How do you fill that void? How do you deal with your feelings in other ways? And we all have to do that. That is the life work for everybody on the planet is how do you take what is painful and work on it? How do you take difficult situations and have a menu and toolbox to work with what you need to do in a way that might be different every single day? And every day you need to learn something so that you have more options. Yep. Yep. I agree. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Surprise, surprise. 
Oh gosh. We don't know what to do if we agree with each other. (laughs) (laughs) We actually agree all the time, even when we say, oh, I disagree. But actually it turns out, no, we agree. agree. I know, but we have to now we need a new tool to get from agreement, original agreement. But that's the point. It's like, we have this shtick that we do, which is you say something, I fight with you, you say, and vice versa. And now what happens? How do we stay engaged if we're not disagreeing? So this is a perfect example of it. Like, how do you have connection? How do you move the conversation forward if you agree with something? Right. Right. Well, first you were, you you were both completely silent. (laughs) I mean, as as the observer of what just happened, it you 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 didn't have a word for it. You just sort of fell into laughter because you realized you had agreed. Yeah. And and you well, needed we, to pause and yeah. laugh about it to create the time to realize what had happened and that this was going to be new for you <laughs> and right, what to right. do. <laughs> now now what? Now what? <laughs> That's what happens with change is that it and and part of it is it's uncomfortable and scary. When you change a dynamic, you're in this neverland of we've not been here before. Where do we go from yeah. here? How do we engage if we're changing the dynamic? And I think this is when people go back to their absolutely. own behavior. Yeah. I I that I think it's really important to stress that point, Kayla. And again, we agree uh, because I think that um, that's actually the shakiest time of all. Yes. Right. Is and I see it a lot um, when a family will go, a family member will go and try and set down a boundary or try a new skill that they've learned, and they'll come back in. Oh, you know, it's. But it's not working. That's that's what I hear all the time. And and it's like, okay, so let's pull this apart. What's really going on here, right? Maybe that uneasiness with I'm not used to this. I'm not comfortable where I am. And I really want to go back to my old habits because I'm very comfortable there. Yes. And people make so many decisions based on comfort. That is, that's really the bottom line is, well, how do I stay comfortable? Because discomfort is very, very <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. And, and, but it's astonishing how many people make choices to stay comfortable. It doesn't right. matter. And, and comfort and people like, oh, my child is doing all of these horrible things. How are they okay with that? How are they going on? They're homeless or they're willing to like live on the streets or they're willing to like lose relationships or go to jail or drive and get arrested. How right. is that? When is it going to stop? What's enough? And, and what I, I actually believe that that behavior becomes the new level of comfort. It's right. Like, I, I'm I on the edge. How can right. I push things? Right. And people, and, and I think this particular topic can be incredibly confusing for family members because they're, um, they're like, but this is miserable. How could I possibly be comfortable in it? And it's like, well, it may be miserable, but you're comfortable because, um, you can count on it happening. You, you, this is, this is how it always happens, right? And you can predict it and you can, and you can predict, you can even predict that you're going to be miserable in it, right? (laughs) 
right? But yeah. um, right, but it, the unknown is what you're really uncomfortable with, right? That is what you're incredibly uncomfortable with and unsure of. And that's what brings up, oh, I don't know. Am I doing the right thing? I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I can depend on the outcome the other way. Yes. I can depend on it. Right. right? You're, you're like a psychic. It's like, oh, right. bad, bad, something bad's going to happen. Yes, you're right. Yes, but this is. is where this is where the word familiar comes in. And I love this word. And in the four agreements, um, which is written by a shaman, he talks about um, at the beginning, and I don't know if I hallucinated this because I read it again. I don't remember seeing this part, but the first time I read it, he was talking about how the familiar is based on what we were raised with. And, and we all signed this unconscious contract with our family, okay, that we signed. And what's the behavior that we do with our family? What's my role? You know, what, what am I supposed to do? It's this socialization of the family, which we all know is the truth. And what was fascinating to me is I was thinking one day about that and I was thinking about um, ma, ma familia and I realized that mafia means my family. Mm -hmm. And so I think what really is going on is that you have this co unconscious contract that even with your immediate family that you created with your children, that you there's a contract that got created. And certainly by the time they're in their 20s, and 30s, the contract has been signed. Everybody knows their role, whether they're, it's great or not. And what, what the reason that change is so hard is because what happens when you break the contract with the mafia? Right. What happens? Right. Everything they falls apart. They take your knees. Yeah. They take it. They, you sleep with the fishes. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, and so, so I think all of us are hardwired not to break that contract. Even right. if it doesn't work, you right. stay with the contract. And so this is the patience piece is we need to build ourselves up and get ready to be able to break that contract and right. have a whole different set of right. behaviors and relationships and the ways of thinking about things that, and that is really difficult to do. Right. I We do the same in rest. We call it, uh, we call it doing a dance. I have my, my, I know the dance, you know, the dance and we do the dance together. And if I take a step away from the dance, this person's still doing the dance. Right. And it's like, what are you doing? Right. Come back and dance with me. And if you say, nope, I'm not going to, what happens? Right. right. Okay. So, so go ahead. Johnny. Can I just have if I could have the closing note, I just wanna underline what everybody's been saying and the fact that you may change your behavior and your patient says, okay, well, he has two hours. And after that, if it doesn't work, it's never gonna work. And, and I hear that very often. It's like, I tried that. Nope, nope, I tried that. And I tried that and I said, well, okay. So that would never have worked, that first one, but, Greeting him at the door when he's on time from work and there, there's still a fender on the front end of the car, that is something that will work if you keep it up. And so the repetition, the, the point here is you try it, it may, it, it, it may not work the first time, but we give you a set of skills and craft and on alliesinrecovery.net um, that are well studied, that we have some 
analysis to say this is the this is the set of skills. This is what you where you need to go to have the best success because it's studied, and we give you that essential skill set. So thanks for being with us today, Lori and Kayla. As always, uh, I look forward to our talk next week. Thanks. Bye, Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesandrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, our production team, and Mikael Mouboussin for the original music composition.